Now, of course, I recommend eating plants. There's a million ways to lose weight. There's so many ways to lose weight. And there's lots of healthy ways to eat, to lose weight. But I think the healthiest way is to focus your diet on whole plant foods. And so let's talk about what that looks like. Well, why a plant-based diet? Well, a plant-based diet is the only diet that has ever been shown to actually reverse advanced stage uh, cardiovascular disease and type two diabetes. It's also associated with lower BMI and body fat, lower overall mortality and mortality from ischemic heart disease, reduced medication requirements. That's my favorite. I always say results are typical. People literally are, it's incredible how frequently I see people reducing and getting off medications. Please, obviously this is, you have to do this with your physicians. Every time my client comes to me on medications, especially blood pressure or blood sugar medications, I have them in cahoots with their physician because they're going to have to change the dose so quickly. It happens that quickly. Usually. Um, it's also associated with sustainable weight management, reduced incidence of hypertension, hyperlipidemia, and hyperglycemia, reduced risk of certain cancers and obesity inflammatory markers. I always love to say that a plant-based diet supports living longer, not just living longer. What does that mean? A whole food plant-based diet. I want you to eat a diet based on vegetables, fruits, whole grains, legumes, mushrooms, nuts, seeds, herbs, and spices in infinite tasty combinations. There is no limit to how much deliciousness you can create with these core health-promoting nutrient-dense ingredients. So what does that mean even more specifically? Well, I have to make general guidelines because I talk to public audiences and I make memes like this that I share with the world and I publish in books and um, medical journals and stuff like that. And so I always say that this is just a guideline. It's just a sample. Just look at it. But like, for instance, I at five, three and three quarters and 120 pounds don't have the same nutritional needs as my six foot one lineman football playing son. Right. So, but this is for the general public. So just use this as a guideline. But I developed the six daily threes as a mnemonic to determine which foods you should prioritize every day, because there's that long list of vegetables, fruits, organ, the whole list. But these are the foods that are unique nutritionally. By the way, if you go to my website, plantbaseddietitian.com, all of these memes are on there if, with a full-on explanation. So you can look at the fine print, you could zoom in and look at all the little details. But just a brief overview, these six food groups, you want to aim for about three servings a day. And even though it sounds like a lot, it's not, and I've done the math many, many times in different, different ways, you still have a lot of wiggle room for a lot of different foods and adding more of whatever you want. And so this is just a, a core, like think about this as like your core to get all the nutrition you need. The first group is leafy green and cruciferous vegetables. And sometimes those overlap, but those are probably the most health promoting, the least calorically dense foods on the planet. They're amazing, amazing, amazing. Eat them as much as you can, as much as you want, raw and cooked. One serving is one cooked raw or one half cup cooked. The other category is all the other colored veggies, like the reds, the oranges, the yellows. I used to have mushrooms in there, but I've since learned and changed it because mushrooms are so extraordinary and they're not vegetables. They are fungi. I always thought they were fungi too, but they are fungi and they are so extraordinary for your health that I gave them their own category. So all the other reds, oranges, and yellows, and then mushrooms are a separate category. Uh, when I've looked at the research on this and, and interviewed the experts on this, the going um, recommendation is three different species per week. I try to eat them almost every day. I have, I'm actually drinking mushroom tea right now. I have mushrooms all the time because they are so incredible for your immune function, especially. And then the other categories, fruits, and then what's half a cup or one piece is one serving. 
and then legumes. So any bean, peas, lentils, hummus should be a food group. Soy foods like tofu and tempeh are wonderful sources for your legumes. Aim for one to one and a half cups a day. And the last category are nuts and seeds. There's a wide array of nutrients that nutrients that are very unique in nuts and seeds, like L-arginine and lots of vitamin E and all these wonderful things that you really can't find elsewhere. So the there's an abundance of literature showing one to two ounces of nuts and seeds a day have a lot of cardiometabolic benefits, weight management benefits. So it's just a really good thing to have. And so I like to use those in like dressings and sauces to make our vegetables even more delicious because food is basically just a delivery system for sauce and why not have a nutritious and nutrient dense sauce or dressing. So that's what I use it for. That's how I get the nuts and seeds in it every day. All right. So that's a plant-based diet. And the next part of systematizing is hunger and satiety. This is not as easy as it sounds. I like to use a scale of one to 10. So one being completely empty, you haven't eaten in a day or so, you're completely empty, everything sounds delicious. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But the 10 is like, you've had Thanksgiving meal and then you had an extra serving of pumpkin pie and you are bowled over stuffed to capacity and then some. So that's like one to 10. Now I can't tell you what that's like because it's all subjective and it's all how you feel. So I have my clients practice this, like literally within, during the day, like before a meal, during a meal, after a meal, when you're driving, whatever, certain times of day, just close your eyes, touch your stomach, maybe stand up. It usually helps too. And just go, what number am I at? And you learn you know thyself. That's the key to all of this. Know your body, get in touch with what you don't know. It's kind of exciting. And there's so much more to learn and it's a practice and a journey. So learn where you are on the scale of one to 10, because it really helps, especially when it comes to satiety, because I do have an amazing hack for managing hunger, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. So you use that scale here. It says zero to 10. You could use zero to 10 or one to 10. Just it's a subjective thing that you really want to get comfortable with and familiar with. I use this thing called the celery stick test. Here's what that means. I have videos on this if you want more on this, but I just think this is so helpful. It helps me. So, you know, when you're like, that full after that meal. And someone says, Oh, what do you want for breakfast? And you're just like, you don't want to think about food. Like, I don't want to talk about food. Like I have my, my grandma, may she rest in peace. We were eating breakfast and she was talking about lunch and we're eating lunch and she's talking about dinner. I'm like, Oh my gosh, can't we just eat this one meal? <laughs> and it was like, you just don't want to think about food when you're that full on the flip side, the hungrier you get, the more delicious everything sounds right? If you're like, Oh, what should I eat? And then they're like, you're getting hungry and hunger and everything sounds starts to sound really amazing. So I love celery. I really do, but it's not something I really crave unless I'm super hungry. And I've actually put this to the test many times, especially like I'm on, on an airplane. I'm like, I have celery. When am I really hungry? And if a celery stick sounds delicious, you know, you're hungry because a lot of people don't know what true hunger really feels like. You know, it's not the growling. It's not the, the hangry that the, you know, the, that stuff, that's not hunger. That's usually detoxification or digestive stuff. It's not true hunger. So I like to use the celery stick test as a gauge. Now I've had people write to me and say, well, I really hate celery all the time. It never sounds good. Okay. So use an apple instead. It's just a gauge for how hungry are you? The other side of that is the satiety side. And I will honestly say, I think this is the most challenging thing of all of everything I say is, can you, can you be done now? When do you know that you're satiated? Because look, let me just say this at the get-go. There's nothing fun or exciting or sexy or entertaining about losing weight. 
you have to create a deficit. All of those weight loss pills and those now those shots, those Zempic and the semaglutides, they work by making you so nauseous that you can't eat. Or if you go and have those surgeries, the gastric bypass with the, band, the banding, those make your stomach so small that you can't eat. Basically, no matter how you look at it, the Twinkie diet, they calculate the calories. The only way to lose weight is to create a deficit. You're not breaking your metabolism, metabolism skills with weight. You have to create a deficit to lose weight. So can you stop now? So you want to eat just enough. You want to eat the right foods and you want to eat when is just enough. So that to me takes the most practice, but again, put on that magnifying glass and really tune into that scale so that you really understand and learn yourself. And then breaking the seal. This is the most powerful tool I have in my armamentarium, at least for myself. And a lot of my clients say the same thing. I don't know about you, but if I have one French fry, I have all the French fries. And if I go to a restaurant, I have one bite of that bread in that basket. There will never be enough baskets of bread to satisfy that desire for bread. Like I will never get enough pizza. If I have a bite of a vegan pizza with all the veggies and whatever, I will not have enough pizza. I just want pizza, pizza, pizza. So I know, and even if it's a healthy broccoli, I know that if I'm not eating right now, even if I have, this happened to me last week, I made this delicious mushroom dish for the next day. Wasn't my time to eat because I do this time restricted. I'm very careful about it because it makes me feel good and sleep better. And I was like, I just want to taste it because it looks so good. It was a new recipe. And I had one bite and there was, it was gone, done. So I always tell myself, what I tell myself is don't break the seal. Just don't break the seal. That first bite, it will never be the last bite for me. Know thyself. If that works for you, just tell yourself, don't break the seal. It just helps to kind of have these little one-liners in your head. And then that for the satiety, the one above that is, can I stop now? Like if I'm eating, because I love to eat. How many of you love to eat? By the way, the only reason I really don't like Zoom conferences is because I don't get to see your hands and feel your energy. But anyway, hopefully you're at home. And if you, if you like to eat, raise your hand for me. And we are all people, all of us that love to eat. Once you start, it's really hard to stop, right? You want it, it tastes good. You could, could hide that full feeling, right? It's really easy to do that. If you really like something, it tastes good. There's always room for dessert. That's where that comes from. So I play this game with myself. I'm like, okay, can I stop now? And so I will literally, I'll literally try to, when I have my bowl of food, I will have it in my eyeballs. And then I will take a, I'll eat half of it slowly, mindfully, as much as I can. And then I say, can I be done now? And usually I need a, a minute or so to distract, to stop from the hand to mouth thing. And I put my food aside. Maybe I'll check a message or go through my Instagram or something for a minute. And then I go, okay, can I be done now? And if no, I will keep going and I will repeat that. And if I can, I know I'm better off to just put that away and save it for later. So those are the kind of things I kind of work with for hunger satiety. And then monotony. We're going to talk about monotony. Already. Do, okay. So that's don't break the seal. I kind of went through this already. So keep calm and don't break the seal. This is what I tell myself every day. Okay. Again, like I said, I'm a heretical dietitian that doesn't count, calculate, measure, or weigh. I think all of that stuff is so counterproductive, stressful, unhelpful. And especially when it comes to things like counting calories and macronutrients, I call this macro confusion. There is really no reason for us in 2023 to be utilizing macronutrients, biochemistry terms to talk about food. We need to bring this conversation back to food. Why? I'll tell you a lot of reasons why. First of all, there is no ideal ratio of protein, carbs, and fat that's been found. Never. It's not done. 
We know that diets like the Okinawan diet, very low fat diet, very high carbohydrate diet, very healthy. One of the healthiest populations in the world ever. But then on the flip side, you've got the Mediterranean diet, a very well, moderately high fat diet. You would consider a higher fat diet can be very healthy. So what does that mean? The other thing is, oh my goodness, there was an article in the 2018 Lancet Journal that concluded and it made the headlines, a low carb diet and a high carb diet increase mortality. What does that even mean? What do you do with that information? Like literally what do you do with that information? The thing that makes it so confusing for everyone from the layperson to the healthcare professional and the researcher, the nutrition researchers at the right there dealing with it every day is that um, chitin from crab shells and cotton and paper and sugar, refined sugar and lentils and legumes and brown rice and fruit, those are all considered carbs but they are completely different. We can't metabolize most of those, right? And some we metabolize, they all metabolize differently. It really doesn't matter. And when we look at the research, when these scientists are looking at the research, they're basically extracting things where it could be the same carbohydrate. I did this, if you could see this, um, this is in the Choosing Now diet, this little, um, I kind of compared 100 grams of baked potato to 100 grams of donut because they have, um, if you look at their carbohydrates, they're almost the same, 57 and 63, almost the same. But look at the difference in calorie and with the type of carbohydrate and the fiber and the starch and the sugar. There's a vast difference in their nutritional makeup and they act very differently in the body. But when you're studying nutrition and you're coming up with conclusions and recommendations based on these conclusions, you're using this information that is very, very misleading. So I tell people to forget protein, carbs, and fat. Let's bring the conversation back to vegetables, fruits, whole grains, legumes, mushrooms, nuts, seeds, herbs, and spices, because everyone knows what that means. Everyone knows what a broccoli is. Everyone knows what a cashew is, but nobody really knows what a carb is, even the experts. Let's talk about time. So I talk to my clients about meal frequency, how often you're eating in the day, meal volume, which we'll talk about next and um, meal repetition. And we'll talk about that next too. But when you're talking about how frequently you eat, I've actually since refined my guidelines since I wrote this book, actually, and instead of giving it a window, I recommend people choose the times that they eat every day. And usually most people land on feeling fabulous, making life easier if they eat twice a day. Now, here's that hack I was telling you about. Well, wait, I'll save the hack. Hold on. Hold on. This is exciting. I have my clients eat these meals and you try to do it at the same time every day. That's the hack, but I'll explain in a second. And instead of setting a window, the reason I've modified this is for anyone that binges and I've had a lot of, a lot of recovering binge eaters come to me, or I help them recover with binge eating because there's a lot of mythology out there that if, for instance, you, you avoid fat altogether, you could eat as much as you want. And that perpetuates binging. And it also uh, makes people afraid to get those essential fats that we need in our diet. So I'm not a proponent of that. But if you are binging and you know that your time is up, like you have a window from let's say 12 to five, I mean, at five o'clock, there's no more food for the day. You're going to try to get in as much as you want, as you can. It's like we try to game the system, not because we're trying to do anything damaging to ourselves, but that's just human psychology, right? Like the scarcity feeling that we get. So um, instead of that, I just have people choose two times a day to eat. Some people really want three if they're really athletic and just want to break it up like that. 
Some people do one. I prefer to eat once a day. I, I can't believe I could say that, but it's been, I don't know, almost a decade. I've been saying that it just, I feel better. I sleep better. I don't always do it because I'm always socializing. And so I usually have that second meal, but a small meal. Um, but most people land on two meals a day. So think about it. Most people in general wake up, they have a coffee with creamer and sugar in it. And then they have a donut and then, or whatever the breakfast is. And then this time for a lunch three hours later, and then they're having a little bite at the, in the office break room. And then they're having a snack and then they're having dinner. And it's like nonstop from the time you're up until the time you go to sleep, you're eating. Not only that, but if you look at this picture, the first time, the last swallow of the last bite that you eat at a meal, it still takes four to six hours after that last swallow to finish the digestion and absorption process. It's very uh, labor and energy, lenergy, as I was going to say, labor and energy intensive to digest and absorb. But the body has to take a lot of resources. That's why you get cramps when you're swimming or walking after you eat because your blood is all in the GI tract trying to get everything assembled and get rid of what it what doesn't need and put away what it does need and break everything down. It's a big job. So there's a lot of benefit. And the research on fasting and then this new emerging research on time-restricted eating is extraordinarily promising. We are better when we have time in the fasted state so that our body can take care of all of the really important metabolic house cleaning that it needs to take care of. There's so many things that the body needs to do and digestion absorption tends to get in the way. So it's really healthy, not just for weight loss, because we don't even know if this is that much more beneficial for weight loss than eating the calories throughout the day, but it's very healthy to give yourself time in the fasted state. Our bodies are so gorgeously, extraordinarily connected to these rhythms, these circadian rhythms, these daily cycles, monthly cycles, annual cycles, seasonal cycles. It is so beautiful how our bodies are linked in and they just know how to respond and know how to do things. And here comes that hack I promised. You ready? You can train your body when to be hungry. So you can mitigate hunger if you choose the two or three or whatever times or one time a day that you're going to eat and you stick to it every single day. Now, I know this is not so easy for everyone. You have to plan a little bit, but if you could just keep 15 minute window every day at the same time, you will not be hungry. It takes about three days, four days. Some people it takes a full week to get used to it but try it if you don't believe me. It's so powerful. And all my clients by the end of their journey, and I've worked with clients for if they have to lose 10 pounds or if they have to lose 150 pounds, I've worked with everyone in between and, and before and after that. And no matter how long you're going for this, uh, most people at the end of this love eating twice a day. It just becomes so much easier, less cleanup, less preparation, less um, all of it. It just makes life simpler. And so they end up sticking to two times a day too. So just pick the same times and watch. I eat at 11 a.m. every day. By 10 a.m., I'm really hungry. I'm really hungry, but I'm fine the rest of the day. So then I drink. I drink tea. I'm always sipping my tea. I have coffee in the morning. I drink water, sparkly water. You can drink anything without calorie and stay in that fasted state. It's really quite powerful. Okay, let's talk about volume. You've probably heard in this conference a lot of talk about calorie density, and that's one of the benefits of a whole food plant-based diet. Most of those food groups, especially namely the vegetables, the fruits, the whole grains, the legumes, and the herbs and spices are very low calorie density. Nuts and seeds and are not so much, right? They're a little bit more dense, but we're only having one to two ounces of them a day anyway. So it's very easy to push on those stress receptors and feel satiety. 
with whole plant foods. And if you just think about it, every time you take a food and you start taking things apart, by the way, all of these images are on my website. So visit me at plantbaseddietitian.com and you can read more about this stuff if you're interested. Um, if you take something, for instance, like a grape, let's say you take out the water. Now you've got a raisin, so it's more concentrated. And then let's say you take out the fiber and you end up with grape juice. Now it's just goes right through you, right? It's, and it's the same calorie or more calories. It's more concentrated and it's less fiber and less satiety. So that's why you want to stick to the wholest version possible. That's why we say whole food plant-based, not just plant-based, which is the term that Dr. T. Colin Campbell brilliantly coined many years ago. So here's four ways to use caloric density in a practical logistical sense that I talked about in the book. Volumize, you know, you're plumping up your meals with more veggies and mushrooms and fruits because those are very low calorie density. So you get all that volume without the calorie maximize, you make those foods the main attraction, like a stuffed mushroom or, you know, a salad or um, whatever, just a way to like, however you can make those low density foods, which is pretty much almost all my recipes. The main ingredients are these low calorie, like a vegetable forward, vegetable heavy, mushroom heavy, that kind of thing. And then prioritize you're minimizing the foods with a high caloric density, right? So the nuts and seeds become your dressing or sauce, or, you know, if you're having tofu or tempeh, it just becomes a little bit of the, the little, the little centerpiece, right? The little, just we're minimizing it, but we're including them because of the nutrition and all those other things, but they're not the main star. And then recognizing is going back to honing in on hunger and satiety, because when those stretch receptors are triggered by the volume, by the fiber, really, uh, it tells your brain that it's full. And there is a little lag time between that feeling getting to your brain. So you want to give yourself, eat slowly, chew things that we all need reminding of time and time again. And then monotony. This is not a nutrition thing. It's kind of an anti-dietitian thing really, because we're always about like eat variety, but variety is really important for the long-term and for health long-term. But well, first of all, most of us are creatures of habit anyway, and we mostly eat the same foods anyway. Everyone, like anyone around, just ask anyone. Most of us stick to the same meals, the same foods over and over and over again. But there's something magical for weight loss to hone in on monotony. And here's why. Brian Wanstink's work has been really interesting. And he's basically concluded that we make about 200 food decisions a day. Okay. So should I have breakfast? Should I put cream in my coffee? Should I all the, should I have an M&M? All the 200 decisions a day. That's a lot of mental space. The second thing is if you've ever gone through your social media feed and you're looking and all of a sudden all these foods pop up and like, oh, it just plants that little seed in the back of your brain. Like, oh, that looks good. Oh, I can make that. Oh, I could veganize that. Oh, how would I, it just, you start thinking about food. And the more you think about food, the harder it is to be in a deficit. <laughs>